Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a form of But that Why hookup was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Welcome back to the Every Girl Podcast. I am your co-host, Josie Santi, and you guys, I am geeking out about today's episode. As you know, if you've listened to the show before, I'm a huge fan of reality TV. I could have a whole separate podcast all about Bravo gossip. I have just so much to say. On today's episode, all my dreams came true and I got to sit down with not only a real housewife, but an inspiring woman with a badass career totally separate from reality TV. Lisa Milan Hall is the founder and chief designer behind Mina Rowe, a maternity and postpartum fashion brand loved by celebrities such as Beyonce and Gigi Hadid. Lisa is also on the newest and first international franchise, Real Housewives of Dubai, which showcases her family life, behind the scenes of Mina Rowe, and of course, the juicy drama we all know and love from Real Housewives. In this episode, Lisa and I chat about starting a global fashion brand, how the clothing garnered celebrity attention, moving to Dubai, her top beauty secrets, and of course, I asked her for all the tea behind the scenes of Real Housewives, like how she became a housewife, asking for a friend. Whether you know Lisa from your TV screens or are interested in fashion and building your own brand, there are so many juicy, helpful, and tangible tidbits in this episode that you are going to love. Make sure to rate and review if you like this episode, and please welcome Lisa Milan Hall to the Every Girl Podcast. Okay, so let's dive in because I have so much I need to grill you on, Lisa. First, let's start at the <laughs> beginning. I know you were born in Jamaica but moved to Miami early on, which must have been yeah. a pretty crazy, amazing experience to move so young. Can you pinpoint anything about your childhood that has contributed to your success now? I know we're diving right into the deep stuff. Yeah, no, I love that. So yeah, I was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica. I was raised by a single mom and... Um, with my grandmother and my aunt. So I was actually raised around a lot of really strong women. So my example of who I should be came from them, right? So I think my foundation has always been solid thanks to the women, the amazing women who came before me. Um, yeah, so I moved to the U.S. when I was around 11, 12-ish. And it was, it was very different, but I did use, I traveled to the U.S. as a child for vacation all the time. So especially Florida, which is where I moved to. So I, I had an idea um, of what to expect. It wasn't like a brand new country that I've never seen before, that I've never experienced. Um, I've been there since I was two years old. So moving, 
as a little girl with an accent. You can imagine. Um, it was not the easiest. I used to get teased all the time. Oh, about my accent. Yeah, I used to get teased all the time, but I didn't really care because I've always been not teased, but girls are always like really catty towards me ever since I was a little girl. But I always had like my mom telling me like, you're the best. You're amazing. They're just jealous. And I actually always carried that with me. So, you know, moving to the U.S. was was a little bit challenging in school, but I got over that quickly. I became a cheerleader and you know, started dating all the hot guys and became the hot girl. <laughs> I love that. That is the confident energy we need. Become a cheerleader, date the hot guys. Done. Yeah, exactly. So long, bullies. Who cares? Right? Exactly. I, you, when you're a teenager, yeah, that's all you care about. That's how you, I mean, that's like the prime. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, you know, I think my, my early years, 100%, I used to get teased, but I'm the same now. You know, I just brush, I just brush it off. It is mm-hmm. what it is. That's amazing. Cause I, I was going to ask too, you know, it's always really interesting to me to see really confident people where like as adults, you can tell, you know, they're starting their own businesses. They carry themselves with such confidence and grace. What was your childhood like? Like, that's why I wanted to find out from you was like, where does that come from? Because for so many women, it's almost like a struggle to get to confidence. Like what is the secret? So it sounds like you're mom and obviously the strong, amazing women you were raised with really set that grounding foundation for you of who cares what everyone else says. You're amazing. You're so special. You're the best. You can do anything. So I I think that's so important. Yeah. And I do the same with my sons. As we all know, growing up, regardless what country where you're growing up, kids can sometimes be really mean. And I'm a strong believer in teaching my sons from a very young age, like, you're amazing. You can do it. I literally speak confidence into my kids. Like, I'm like, you're a king, you know? And then my little one would be like, oh, daddy's the king and I'm the prince. And I'm like, well, you're going to take over. So you're the king. Yes. You know? That's right. You're a king too. There are multiple kings. (laughs) Yeah. So, but this definitely comes from my mom. She's always been like that. I had an adopted dad when I was growing up and he was Chinese Jamaican. So I looked nothing like him. And as a little girl, I didn't know that he was my adopted dad. I always thought he was my biological dad. So, you know, my mom, I think she was always preparing me because she knew people were going to ask me questions. She knew kids were going to tease me to say I look very different to him and stuff. So she would always tell me things like, you're the most beautiful girl. You're so blessed, you know. And then eventually she told me, you have two dads. (laughs) You know, you're the luckiest girl in the world. So then it was true when kids started to tease me like, oh, you look nothing like your dad. You know, it became, well, I have two. How many do you have? You know, that was like my response. So I'm a strong believer into really, really drumming it into your kids, how amazing they are. So that way they start to believe it. And when they become older, they're not untouchable, but they're pretty solid. Yeah, they have that grounding foundation. And I love what you said too about like your mom's awareness of, okay, this is like these asshole kids that tease about, you know, your dad doesn't look like you or or whatever it is like that they can pinpoint these maybe things that that might become insecurities for a lot of people. And instead of just saying, it's okay, like, don't worry about it. Don't, don't hear what they have to say, but changing it to, you're so lucky that you have, you know, two dads. I think that's something that we all can even do for ourselves. Like, I love that too, of like, what is something I'm insecure about? You know, not even just saying it's okay to be that way, but how lucky to be that different and to have that difference. 
to look at it like you're lucky for it. So I think that's phenomenal advice. And, and to me, that makes so much sense of how you are the way you are with your confidence now and how you've able to accomplish everything you've accomplished because of that foundational success that your mom and your uh, family instilled in you of like the, you're lucky to have these things that other kids might not, you know, understand or want to pinpoint. Yeah. And I think that's so important for children, but are also to kind of like heal that inner childhood wound for those of us who, you know, are trying to heal ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I have days where I'm not the most confident. I mean, I'm human, right? So I have days, I mean, I had acne as a kid. So, you know, I have days as soon as a pimple come up, I'm like, oh my God, it takes me back to those days. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I have my moments, but I do, I, I do feel I've been given the right tools to maneuver through life, regardless of whatever life throws at me. So how do you, how do you maneuver through those? Like when you have a bad day, when you have a pimple, when you have whatever it is, how do you kind of get yourself back up and get back into that? Like, no, I'm a badass. I'm okay. Everything's good. Listen, I've gone through a lot in my life, a whole lot. And where I am today, I just have to remind myself sometimes of how far I've come, right? I've had some really horrible things happen to me, um, in my early, my early adult years. And I lost my brother five years ago. There's so many different things that, you know, contribute to me feeling down and stuff. But I remember, you know, where I'm coming from and where I am today. And I think that helps to pick me up and to get me to that next level, you know? So when I'm having a pimple, I'm like, girl, people (laughs) out here, me, people are hungry. And you're worried about a pimple. So I do things like that, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't have something like, girl, I try to remind, do you remember when you had nothing or do you remember, you know, and, and things like that also help to get me to the next place. No, I think that's so helpful. That's such good advice. Moving on to your career now, because so many things, you've had such an amazing accomplished career. You were always really passionate about fashion and knew that's what you wanted to do. You know what? I didn't know. Exactly. If fashion is what I wanted to do, but I always had an eye for design. I started my fashion career started in pageantry. So um, when I won Miss Jamaica International, we didn't have a huge budget for a wardrobe. And so some of the designers, they just charged a fortune just for like a national costume. And no matter what I saw, it was never worth the money for me. I'm really picky. (laughs) And so... (laughs) and design like my own national costume. And then some of my fashion friends that were in school with me or just other guys that I knew that were in fashion, but they were just up and coming. I would basically say, listen, I'm going to sketch this. You sew it. You do this. You do that. And I'll give you the credit. And I would just work around that. And that's how I started designing. And so I started winning awards for like my national costume and my evening gowns. And so other beauty queens would reach out to me like, hey, where did you get this? And I would be like, I can design it for you. So I would design their gowns and dresses for them. And then after that, I was in the Miami social scene and I would always wear my own stuff when I went clubbing. And the Miami social scene is everything. So (laughs) So all the girls would hit me up like, hey, I really like that dress I saw you out with. You know, can I where can I get it? And I'm like, I designed it. So I just started selling dresses. And then um, I got married, I got pregnant and I couldn't find like really nice trendsetting maternity wear that made me feel comfortable and confident. And so I created the line. 
Oh my God. So that, I mean, that's iconic that you accidentally kind of like got into it, that you just were designing clothes you loved and that other people wanted them too. That's pretty iconic. That's awesome. So talk to me about that. The fact that it's maternity wear, and I know you have a postpartum line as well. Tell me about a little bit more about that journey for you. I know Mina Rowe is a luxury brand. We're going to dive into how much, uh, how many celebrities I know love the company and everything, (laughs) but what made you get into that? Was it just like that there was no options for you and you wanted to find fashionable clothing and there wasn't enough fashionable? What was it exactly that inspired you to start that? Exactly. So the brand itself is everything me. So the different stages that I've gone through in motherhood is how the brand expands, right? So when I started the brand, um, I was pregnant with my first son, but I couldn't find anything that was nice and trendsetting and that fit my personal style. And so I started just wearing clothes that were a little bit oversized, but I would just, you know, cut it rip it, do what I had to do to make it look good. And I think it was Ciara. I think Ciara, I wore something. We were pregnant with our sons at the same time. And she liked an outfit that I was wearing. Like her baby at the time was due, I think like a month or two before me. And just from that little like, people were like, oh, where did you get it? Where did you get it? I'm pregnant too. And I said to my husband, well, you always say the companies that you invest in, there's a problem and they have a solution. Well, I have a problem and I have a solution. He was like, well, you know, I believe in you. I don't know about a maternity brand. It's such a niche market. Why don't you just do fashion for everybody? And I was like, well, everybody does that. And I think the problem is so many women go through maternity, get pregnant. And this area is not catered to. You would think that it's like one in a million women that's getting pregnant when it's not. No. So I was like, I this is a need and I really want to do it. And I think it will make me feel better. And I think I'll change the fashion industry if I do it. And so he invested in me, not the brand. And one thing led to another. So we launched Mina Row, and it's been a huge success. Thank God. And thank Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, Sierra, Beyonce, like that must have been like crazy pinch me moments for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when Beyonce wore it, it was like the Beyonce effect, right? So it went from zero to a hundred real quick and it gave the brand validation. You know, other celebrity stylists, they would reach out to us to dress um, their clients. And so it just grew from there. By the time I got to my third child, I realized like, okay, yeah, I have the maternity thing on lock, but I'm going through baby blues. Like I cannot, my body's not snapping back. Like all the girls on Instagram feeling some kind of depression because I can't fit my clothes. I'm not getting sleep. It's just too much going on. And so by the time I was pregnant with my third son, I was like, you know what? I already know my body's not going back. (laughs) I'm not going to fit these pre baby jeans anytime soon. So I'm just going to dive right in and just have a whole separate rack that I get dressed from. And when I tell you what it did for my mental, it was like the happiest post-pregnancy journey ever. Because you don't really realize that when you're putting on clothes every day that's not fitting, it's actually giving your brain negative, negative signals. Right. And you're feeling like you're not good enough. You're not losing the weight fast enough. 
you're worried about the wrong things when you should only be worrying about just being healthy, taking care of your mental and your physical health, slowly getting back into shape. You took nine months to get pregnant. It's going to take at least that or more to even be able to fit into your pre-pregnancy clothes. So anyways, long story short, I started getting dressed from this one sole rack. You know, I had um, casual pieces and I had some evening pieces and I just kept repeating them over and over. But I felt so good in these clothes. They fit my body. All the everything was really flattering. And I was like, this is the next step for me in a row. Because I, I cannot be the only mom going through this. No, absolutely. So I did a poll. I did a poll on social media and we were it was like a hundred percent everyone said yes. One hundred percent they've been through this and they would shop it and it's a great idea. So this week we're launching our post-pregnancy wear, which is going to be amazing. And the good thing is too, the collection is not only by me. I used other, I worked with other creatives. Usually everything is designed by me, but this time we use other creatives and, you know, other manufacturers and we're so excited. It's going to be like shopping from my closet. It's going to be really good. And to anyone who's watched Real Housewives Dubai yet, you will want to go shop for closet, obviously. So that's amazing. I mean, that's such a, uh, it kind of is like, duh, like, of course you need different clothing for postpartum, but nobody talks about it. You know, there's obviously maternity clothes, which until Mina Rowe, everything was kind of just like, okay, I have to wear this because I'm pregnant. It's not yeah. like, I'm so excited to wear it. This is so cute. This is like, exactly. like it's, and I know that was your entire purpose with Mina Rowe. So there's that clothing. But then there's like, okay, then you just go back to the normal clothing you wore before you were pregnant, which is so unrealistic. And I think that's so true of what you said of it's, it's changing the way you mentally feel about your body because you are trying to force it into something your body is physically not ready for and doesn't need to be ready for because you just had a baby. <laughs> like your body is different. A whole human exactly. being. Yeah. So I, I think what you're doing is so impactful for people, not even just so they have clothes that they feel good in but it's changing the way that they can view their bodies. And I think that's really revolutionary. Thank you so much. Thank you. So I know you mentioned, obviously, Beyonce is a fan, Sierra's a fan. You have all of these amazing A-list celebrity following you. Um, And it sounds like some of that was just like, you already had great exposure for the brand. Certain celebrities saw it on Instagram and liked it. Do you have advice for maybe a fashion entrepreneur just starting out who wants to seek that kind of exposure for their brand, but maybe don't have the following on Instagram yet? Like how do you go from starting a new brand to, you know, having an A-list celebrity following? Do you have any advice for someone looking to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started Mina Rowe, actually up until about, I think seven months ago, no one knew I owned the brand. So I never posted Mina Rowe on my personal social media page. I literally grew Mina Zero. I wouldn't let anyone know that I was brand because for one, I'm a move in silence type of girl. I believe in moving in silence. I believe in evil eye. I believe in all of those things. And I wanted for my brand, if you like the pieces, you shop the pieces because you genuinely like it. I didn't want for people to judge the brand because of, something that they had, like if they had an issue with me, maybe they didn't like me because of the color of my skin. Maybe they didn't like me because of my personality or the, or something I wore. I said, I didn't want the brand to be affected by anything that I was attributed to me. So I went completely, I took no ownership of the brand. If you want to learn discipline, that's discipline. Imagine Beyonce wearing your clothes and not taking any credit. 
for it. That is discipline. Yes. Oh my God. And it teaches you self-validation. It teaches you self-validation. You're not seeking validation from people outside. You clap your damn self, you know? Um, <laughs> Absolutely. That was my track. So for someone who's starting out, you do not need a million followers. Mina Rose still doesn't even have that many followers. I think we have like 50,000 genuine followers on social media. You know, you don't have to have a million followers. You don't have to go buying followers and faking it or anything like that. Create really, really good products that people cannot say no to. Research the market. You know, because sometimes we have a great idea in our minds and it's not really a great idea on paper, right? Every idea is not a business. And I learned that there's so many things that I tried and failed, even within me in a row, right? So number one, just make sure you research the market. Number two, make sure you have a solid product that people actually need, right? Even if it's a fashion product, even if it's, an, if it's a dress, just make sure that dress is just the best dress, right? Because there's a million other dresses out there. And then for me, what I did, I didn't go directly through celebrities. I went through stylists. So the key is to go through the stylist because you'll probably never be able to get to the celebrities directly. They probably get DM'd a million times a day. But stylists are always looking for new things on the market, things that resonate that resonates to them that they can see their client in, things that other people don't have. So if you're a new business, that actually works in your favor. You know, so definitely go through the stylist and yeah, just put in the work. You'll get there. That is really good advice. And I think too, I mean, kind of going back to what you said about, you know, having a maternity line, like that's so specific, like that's a, you know, smaller market, like why not just go for everybody? But it makes so much sense that that's why you were so successful and kind of catching the eye of celebrities, because like you said, this was an untapped market. So it's people in that specific situation where they need that kind of clothing, they will find you easier than if, if it's just like, you know, a general cute label. Yeah. So it, it makes so much sense. That's so much good advice for anybody starting out in fashion or winning a label. And I think stylist too is like, that is so the way to go. I, I know, especially with influencer marketing being so huge, those bigger influencers have stylists. That's where they get all their clothing from. Okay. So pivoting to Real Housewives, which first of all, so did you started Mina Row when you were still in Miami, right? No, I started Mina Row when I moved to Dubai. I had all my kids in Dubai. That must have been a, a wild place to adjust to. Yeah, it was. You know, um, when I first moved to Dubai, I was very nervous. I had no friends. The only friend I had was my husband, who is my best friend. So it kind of, it made us even closer. But yeah, it was, a, it was a brand new culture, but it was nothing like I imagined it to be. I used to come for vacation all the time. So I knew it from a tourist point of view, but it's completely different when you live here. And um, a lot of the misconceptions you know, were wiped away. I thought I was going to have to probably wear an abaya and, you know, dress more conservative. But no, women are able to dress as they please, be who they want. And I think that was the biggest misconception. And that was like the biggest shock to me. It was like, oh, really? I get to be myself. Okay, I can't wear booty shorts, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe some slight adjustments, but you can be yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's definitely a huge misconception about Dubai that I, I love what the show's doing and is showing these 
you know, successful business women entrepreneurs that are dressing how they want, that are living how they want, that are, you know, that, that it's not maybe the stereotype you hear a lot, that it's kind of showing the truth of what the possibilities are in Dubai, which I think is a really cool feature of the show. Exactly. And the possibilities are endless in Dubai, especially for women. Oh my gosh. That's what I, I mean, watching the show, I'm like, do I need to move to, to Dubai now? Like, is this now my future? I mean, it's, it looks amazing. So I feel like there's been so much buzz about this franchise of Real Housewives, rightfully so, because A, it looks freaking glamorous. It looks amazing. Uh, and B, it's the first international franchise. I'm such yes. a Housewives fanatic. So I want to hear all the details. How did you get involved? I'm a Housewife fan as well. I love that. Um, I'm a Bravoholic for sure. <laughs> I, I don't think I've missed any episode of any franchise. I've seen them all. Okay, um, what's yeah. your favorite franchise besides obviously your own? I love Beverly Hills. I love Atlanta. I love New Jersey. I love Potomac. I can go on and on. <laughs> like, so, I love that. I love, different th- I love different things about each of them, right? Yes. So it's like I can't. Just one because I love Beverly Hills for one thing, but then I love Atlanta for something else, you yes, know. And then I love also Sydney. different Mary Cosby. You know, it's just yes. like it's just so much. Oh my god! I know every single ha- like the franchises are so different in so many amazing ways. I feel the same way that I'm like, if I want something comforting, I watch this show. If I want something more glam, this show. Like more drama, this show. Like it's all good for different things. So I love it. I love it. So how did you get involved then in this franchise? Like, did you, being a fan, freak out when they were like, we're filming Real Housewives of Dubai? Like, how how did that process go about? So um, Shanayan and I have been friends for years. She started out as my model. And um, when they started casting in the city, she was like, girl, you know how I always told you that you're supposed to be like a real housewife, like those girls on that TV show? (laughs) And I'm like, yes. And she was like, well, guess what? They're here and they're going to be interviewing like a bunch of girls in our friend group. And I think you are perfect for it. And I was like, I don't know. I've already done reality TV. I, you know, Rich is my husband's very private. I don't need all of that. And she was like, I'm putting you down. Okay. The guy's going to call. <laughs> That's a good friend. Force you to interview for Real Housewives of Dubai. Yeah. And the rest is history. So it's been, it was really good. Um, and the thing is that made it even more fun was that so many of my really close friends got the call back, you know? So it was really fun. So when they came around to like future auditions and castings and stuff, I was like, you know what, this would actually be really, fr- really good because I'm doing with, doing it with my group of friends. So that's going to be easy. I don't have to pretend. And yeah. So when, when they called us back, we were like, yay. Yeah, it it does seem like you all are friends, which some franchises, it kind of, you can tell that they're kind of just thrown together. But this one, you definitely can tell that you have all been friends. You've all known each other for a long time. So I'm sure that makes a huge difference that it is more of a natural, like, okay, like you're just filming our lives instead of, okay, now, you know, having to meet new people and it's a little more produced and everything. So I'm sure that makes a a big difference. So how, how does that, do you know, like, how do they find... How do they even find Chanel to start with and then go through all of you? Like, do they pinpoint one person? Are they in talks with one person? And then they, you know, recommend their friend group? It's kind of like a domino effect. You know, they start with one girl in the group and they ask you to refer two of your girlfriends. And then those two girlfriends refer two more girlfriends. And then those two girlfriends, you know, and it just 
It's like that. It's like a little bubble, but they keep it within the friend group. Fascinating. And I think they want to see who has the most drama in real life with who, who clicks with in real life. And then, (laughs) and then they put it together. I'm so like, I love, I mean, I know this sounds like, obviously I love reality TV for the drama and all the good stuff, but I also am really interested in like the psychology of it because there is that element of like, you know, who is getting along, who's not, you know, what element is having cameras there add to it. Like, I think it's all really intentional psychologically. Like it's all really fascinating. For sure. A whole science, like things that I don't even know, but I'm sure in TV land, producers, the amazing producers. I mean, we're with Truly Original and the producers have been amazing. So yeah. And they've been doing it for years. So they know exactly what they're doing, what they're looking for. And I think they did really well with this cast. I think so. I would say this is an amazing cast so far from the couple episodes that I've seen. So Lisa, what surprised you about filming a reality show, specifically one that already has a cult following behind it, like Real Housewives? What was shocking to you, especially being a fan? Did anything surprise you or kind of really um, throw you off guard? Anything exciting for you? What was your experience like? So because I did College Hill a um, hundred years ago, <laughs> dinosaur years, um, not much has changed, right? So I actually think College Hill was a little bit more intense and more invasive because I lived in a house with a group of friends and the the cameras were rolling 24-7. So that was a little bit more intense. Um, yeah. But I would say, yeah, it was super intense. Yeah, that sounds was really tough. Yeah, yeah. The cameras were never down. We never had a moment to ourselves except in the bathrooms on College Hill. But I feel like with this, um, even though they were following our lives, it wasn't as invasive. The cameras go down, they go home, and you go on with the rest of your day. So I think that I was really surprised about because I always thought all reality TV shows were as brutal and invasive as College Hill was. But surprisingly, uh, Rare Housewives is not the same. So that was really good. At the time when I did College Hill, there were no social media. Like it didn't exist. I think Facebook was only for kids in college. Like that was it. (laughs) Maybe like MySpace. Yeah, like nothing real. It was just coming out. It was brand new. Twitter was brand new. So it was very, very different. I think even I just rejoined Twitter and Twitter itself is a completely different ballgame than it was, what, 12, 12 years ago. So the fans are super diehard fans on The Real Housewives. Um, Bravo has some really loyal fans. So I think that aspect of it has been really different. But overall, the experience has actually been really good. Surprisingly, it surpassed my expectations. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, it's so great to hear. And I mean, that sounds like a huge difference. I know it doesn't work like there's, you obviously have planned times, like you're going to a dinner all together, or maybe the, you know, producers and cameras are coming over to your house to film. Like it's, it's a designated time instead of college hill being 24 hours all the time, no time off. Like that sounds exhausting. So it it, it is kind of nice that it's like, it's just like, you're going to work for anything else. Like you have this time, this meeting, you go and do it. I know that you obviously have experience with reality TV, but what were there any like nerves for you going into it? Did you feel like kind of like anxious having a, a camera at you that you were going to like come off a different way, say a wrong thing? Like that's got to be really scary. Yeah, I think for me, I was because I've lived such a private life this past decade, that was the most nervous, the most nerve wracking thing was, you know, 
allowing people to come into my space and into my world. I don't know. Are people going to, you know, receive me well? There was so many different things, but so far it has actually been really good. I know we're only like going into episode three, but (laughs) so far it's actually been amazing. It really has. Like people have been so kind, so nice. And yeah, so far, so far. Yeah. You're like, knock on wood so far. (laughs) Ask me again at the end of the season. I'll tell you maybe a different (laughs) story. And by like season two and season three and season four. Yeah. But I mean, I, ca- I cannot imagine that there's a lot people can say about you. Like I, I would imagine some of your other castmates might be getting some, you know, feedback. Obviously no one deserves hatred, critique, like all the awful things that people on the internet are coming for when it comes to, you know, people on reality TV. But it, it seems like you are the person, the cast that's like the level headed one. Like, you know, there's always like that one person, every franchise that the audience trusts when it comes to, you know, who's right in fights or whose opinion to trust. And I can already tell that that's very you. Like, where do you think that that level-headed perspective comes from? And your energy is also really like calm and collected. Where do you think that that comes from? Because I think that sets you apart from other housewives and your other castmates. Thank you. Um, I think it's just growth, you know, but don't get it twisted. I'm not the one. (laughs) (laughs) You don't think? Okay. So do we have some like drama coming this season? You'll definitely get some drama. You'll definitely get some drama, 100%. You know, girls just like to not like me for whatever reason sometimes. So you will get some drama. But for the most part, I think you'll get a lot of fun. Like a lot of fun and happy and good moments from me, for sure. But drama. There's drama. Because I'm not the one. I'm in there. I mean, there's got to be drama. It's like, we have to have that for Real Housewives. But you do feel like it, it seems like you have really good self-awareness, which I, I think it's very obvious as an audience member to tell who on reality TV has uh, self-awareness is, is leading with that. And then those who clearly don't. And I, you know, from the first uh, few scenes that I saw you on, you seem like you have a lot of self-awareness. I'm not just trying to compliment you either because you're because we're talking. Like I, I really do like... <laughs> I just had always with my fascination reality TV, I like identify like, who are the ones I'm going to like, who are the ones I'm going to be like, oh, this girl again, like, what is she saying? And you just very much seem like the self-aware one who's like opinion I want to trust and everything. So uh, you, you know, I, I know we have a whole season to go and lots more seasons hopefully after, but I am very excited to watch you. Okay. So good. Okay. So, um, moving on to kind of your routines and kind of what sets you up for success. I am personally obsessed with morning routines and you're obviously so successful, super glam. So I need to know what your morning routine is like. I know you also have three boys, which is I'm sure a lot going on. So tell me about what your morning routine looks like these days. So the first thing I do, um, when I wake up in the morning, I thank God for waking me up. (laughs) Love that. Yeah, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. And then, um, so my husband and I, we're really good when it comes to um, working together. So my husband wakes up first. He gets the kids downstairs. I then wake up and get them dressed and give them breakfast. And then my husband gets dressed for work. And then I get them out the house. So kids are out the house. Morning routine for Lisa starts. So um, I drink my apple cider vinegar. Ooh, like in warm water, cold water. I drink it cold and like a shot. Ooh. So I drink vinegar. I work out at home in the garage. I have like a little home gym. So I work out. 
And then um, I get dressed. I do not wear makeup during the week. <gasps> really? No, I used to struggle with really, really bad acne, like pepperoni face. In Jamaica, actually, they would say sawasap face. Like it was really bad. I had really, really bad acne. And it took me years to really find um, products that worked for me and how to understand what goes in shows up on your skin, right? So, um, so yeah, I don't wear makeup during the week unless I have like an event or I have like a big meeting or it has to be really, really, really important for me to put makeup on. I do wear makeup on date nights, but back to the, <laughs> back to the morning <laughs> makeup, but I do wear my, I put my SPF on my moisturizer, my lip balm, get my hair done myself. And I'm out the door. So that's my morning routine. It's actually pretty simple, not what most people would expect. But I, I literally run around the city with no makeup on. Yeah. That's it. That's so funny because I was going to tell you, I know our listeners who have seen you on TV, seen your Instagram would be pissed at me if I didn't ask for your beauty tips because your skin always looks amazing. So it's funny that you say that because I mean, really you're, you have like the most stunning glowy skin. So is that Thank in you. part two, not wearing makeup, being really intentional about that, protecting your skin? Like what other kind of secrets do you have? Yeah, exactly. So for me, I, I always say your cleanser is the most important beauty product that you can have. Because it doesn't matter what you put on top if your skin's not clear. And I know a lot of people like to wash their face with hot water. No, a dermatologist told me to stop doing that. So I wash my face with really cold water to keep my pores closed. And then if you do hot first, you have to just always finish up with something cold to close your pores. So always, number one, you have to have a really good cleanser. I use Shiseido. Um, their products are really amazing and their cleanser is just insane. She said, oh, make sure you pay for that one. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe we'll link to it in the show notes because I'm like, I need this now. If you're telling me to get it, I'll get it. Yeah, so she said, do I have a really good cleanser. Um, because I had acne in the past, I use everything oil-free. So my moisturizer is also Shiseido. It's Shiseido oil-free moisturizer. Um, I do use a lot of vitamin C serums. Those sometimes, sometimes have a little bit of oil, but I try to go as oil-free as possible. Sunday Riley have a really good vitamin C serum. I like I've heard product. that one's amazing. Okay, yeah. I gotta try that. And that's it. And for me, I balance between moisturizer or vitamin C serum. I never mix it because oh, if you mix or... uh, so if you mix it, you're not gonna be getting the right it's not going to be doing its job. It's just going to clog your pores. So you want to choose one or the other. So I alternate. Interesting. So, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my skin routine. I like that. I, because obviously so often you hear the beauty world, like, you know, more add this product to your routine, like the 10 step Korean skincare routine, like, which I'm a huge fan of, but I love what you're saying that it's like, just be more simple. And cause you really do have such gorgeous skin. So that's fascinating that your routine that is about, simple. Whenever people say that to me, I almost want to cry. I have to tell you. <laughs> I love that because it's so, yeah, that like inner child, like uh, what yeah. you went through as a kid. Totally. I mean, I those know, insecurities absolutely. as a kid never leave us for sure. They don't. And I never, like in high school, I would be like cake face. I would go to school with so much makeup on just to hide my skin. So for me to be like in my thirties now, you know, with clear skin, I don't wear makeup out and I feel confident and I feel fine. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal for me. 
such a big deal. Oh my God. That, that is, I mean, that's like a pinnacle of success is like whatever your childhood insecurity was that it's, it, you feel great about it now, you know, that you've like healed yourself in so many ways. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all your secrets with us (laughs) because I knew you would have good ones. Okay. So to wrap up our interview, I have some rapid fire questions for you. First question, I'm so curious about what's your favorite meal or food to eat in Dubai? Do you have like a favorite restaurant, a favorite type of food? Oh, see, the thing is, I like seafood wherever I go. I'm an island girl. I'm just heading to the nearest seafood restaurant. I love my bucket of crabs, <laughs> crab legs. You know, like that's my go-to. I don't care where in the world I am. I love seafood, lobster, crab, prawns. That's my that's my thing. But if I was to choose Arabic food, oh, there's so many good. I love the local shops. I love the local shops that carried the really amazing Arabic mixed grills that have like all the koftas and oh, so good. Yum. Oh my God. I bet there's so many good things to try and so many good grocery stores and things. Shawarma. That's so good. Yum. Oh my God. Okay. That sounds so good. Now I'm hungry. Okay. Favorite celebrity who you've seen wear your designs or maybe just like the most like pinch me moment that when you've seen a celebrity in your designs? Um, I would say Beyonce was the most um, pity. I mean, yeah, but I feel, you know what? I feel amazing anytime I see anybody wearing Nina Row. I just don't even know how to contain myself. I actually go on our business page all the time to check the tags to see like, oh, I want to see how they, how they styled it or, you know, like, yeah, my team, I'm always stalking the, the tagged photo section. I bet that's fun. Yeah. You probably get so much insight. So good. That's such a good idea. Okay. Favorite housewife, not in your franchise, unless you want to go there and be shady and it would be amazing. I love it. But overall favorite housewife in any franchise. Um, I think my overall, Oh, it's hard. I can't choose one. I love Kenya more. I, yeah, I love Kenya. I love Dorit. I love Teresa Judais. I can just go on and on. There's so many <laughs> How do I choose hard? I would say those are my top three favorites for sure. Okay. Those are so great. I love, I love everyone. I know it's really hard to decide. It's so hard to narrow down. Last rapid fire question for you. Actually two more. Second last, what's your go-to power outfit or item you put on when you want to feel more confident? Ooh, besides my Spanx. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a great answer in itself. (laughs) Besides my Spanx, um, my little black dress. A little black dress is always my go-to. Always. Iconic. I have a few of them, but just the really simple. Mina Rowe also has some really good little black dresses that you can dress them up. You can, you know, dress them up, dress them down. There's so much that you can do with an LBD. It's so true. It, it feels so good. It's always flattering. I love an LBD. Exactly. Always good. Okay, Lisa, leave our audience with a book, a podcast, a film, or any kind of tool that changed your life and resonated with you, if you could. Oh, I'll leave you with a book, The Alchemist. I've heard great things. Yes, The Alchemist is so good. Um, the author is Paula Coelho. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but The Alchemist is a really, really good book for anybody. Yeah, I'll leave you oh with that. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to order that from Amazon as soon as we get off the phone. Amazing. You will you thank me. It's, it's amazing. Life-changing. 
I've heard, I mean, I know everybody raves about it. So, okay. You finally pushed me over the edge. I'm going to do it. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I cannot wait to watch the rest me. of the season. Let everyone know where they can find you, how they can watch the show, your Instagram, where they can chat me in a row, everything about you. So you can find me on Instagram at Lisa with an E, L-E-S-A dot Milan, or on Twitter, Lisa Milan with no dot, or lisamilan.com. You can shop everything Minaro at minaro.com. Real Housewives of Dubai is on Bravo every Wednesday at 9 p.m. on Peacock the next day. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Josie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 